I'm Martine Powers. It's Saturday, April 18th. This is a bonus episode of Post Reports. My wife saw a plate of cupcakes on Instagram and freaked out. It was our first week of social distancing, and to her, the little cakes, covered in promiscuous sprinkles, seemed far too close together for comfort. Cupcakes lose a lot of their appeal, though, if you isolate them on separate little sauces. Sebastian Smee is an art critic for The Post, and like the rest of us, he and his family have been practicing social distancing. And he had an idea for how we can all get lost in art to feel a little bit less alone right now. We asked him to read his story for you here. Over the past few weeks, I've heard people repeatedly declare that they feel like figures in an Edward Hopper painting. Who can't relate? The world has surely never experienced so much enforced solitude on such a scale. I've thought not just of Hopper, but also Wilhelm Hammershoi, a late 19th century Danish painter who painted haunting interiors in shades of grey, emptied of everything except single sitters seen from behind. And also Caspar David Friedrich, that master of solitary walkers and pensive window gazers. But my wife's cupcake anxiety, okay, she was mainly joking, made me wonder too about how we're all feeling these days about images of crowds, about pictures of togetherness, conviviality, and mingling pheromones. Most of us have camera rolls filled with party photos, Thanksgiving tables, or crowded beach scenes. Now they're liable to induce sighs, if we can even bear to look at them. But what about their painted equivalents? Washington is blessed to be home to two of the more famous party paintings in art history. The Phillips Collection has Renoir's Luncheon of the Boating Party, and the National Gallery has Manet's Masked Ball at the Opera. Extroverts both, these canvases are probably feeling forlorn and out of sorts right now, what with the gallery's closed since mid-March. So it might be a good time to reach out to them. The Renoir, one of the world's most beloved paintings, shows a lively gathering buzzing with bonhomie and fluttering sun-kissed physical proximity. Oh my lord, you think. Even just seeing it in reproduction, I could do with a bit of that. It was painted in 1880-81, ten years after Paris had endured a trauma like no other, a four-month siege by Prussia, a government overthrow, and a bloody civil war. But good times had returned. The setting for Renoir's scene is the restaurant Fournay's on the Seine below the bridge at Chateau, a semi-rural settlement just 20 minutes by train from central Paris, where Pierre-Auguste Renoir had his studio. Since the railway was built, Chateau and various nearby locales along the river had become immensely popular with Parisians, especially on weekends when people of all classes came to promenade along the banks, swim, sail or rowboats, and indulge in various forms of amorous and or inebriated leisure. Guy de Maupassant wrote some great stories set in these places, including Femme Fatale, which opens at the Fournays. In a sense, though, the local and wider setting of Renoir's painting is unimportant. 
Because it's an image that is not just about the good times produced by proximity. It's also about our need for mutual support. The painting is peppered with Renoir's friends. Among them are the children of the Fournaise's owner, Renoir's future wife and favorite model, Aline Charigot, a fellow artist, Gustave Caillabot, who was a boating enthusiast whose financial largesse supported many of his fellow Impressionists, and a well-known collector and art aficionado, Charles Efruzzi, who was written about so movingly in Edmund de Waal's The Hair with Amber Eyes. Renoir counted on these people. Most of them were better off than he, but they valued what he did as a painter, as well as the affable, life-loving, impassioned spirit in which he did it. And so they were willing to support him. Renoir honoured the rapport they all felt for one another with a painting so good that it transcends the specifics of time and place and speaks to anyone who loves laughter, flirtation, ebullience and optimism. Edouard Manet's masked ball at the opera, painted several years earlier, depicts a different kind of crowd and has a very different feeling. From a slightly detached viewpoint, we see a tightly packed group of men in top hats and a number of women of various backgrounds. They're all attending one of two masked balls held annually at the Paris Opera on the Rue Le Pelletier, a building that burned down later that year. The Manet painted indoors rather than outdoors is a small horizontal canvas and it's very much a city picture in contrast to Renoir's shade-dappled countryside scene. But it shares more with the Renoir than you might think. Even though the crowded interior Manet depicts has a slightly sordid transactional atmosphere, the men appear almost sinister and some of the women were selling sex, it actually portrays many of Manet's closest friends and supporters, just like the Renoir. Art historians are not entirely confident in their attempts to identify the top-hatted figures. It's a bit like trying to tell cupcakes apart. But we know Manet had his friends come to his studio to pose, and that among those who appear in the finished canvas are an art critic, Theodore Dure, a composer, Emmanuel Chabrier, and a collector, Albert Hecht. Manet even painted himself. He's the man with the blondish beard second from the right. So although Manet's painting presents a different kind of party crowd, it's underwritten by some of the same spirit of friendship and mutual support as the Renoir. It is hard to look at these paintings now, or at earlier crowd masterpieces for that matter, by the likes of Peter Bruegel the Elder, his uh, peasant wedding feast, or... Veronese's The Wedding at Cana. Full of life and local colour, of appetite and eros, of sweat and sweet scents and all the secret pockets of rapport that form unexpectedly between people at concerts, crowded parties, parades and festivals. They remind us of all we're missing right now, stuck at home as we are in our hopperesque isolation. It hurts. But like those photos in our camera rolls of the fancy dress parties or outdoor concerts we attended last summer, these great works of art tease out tendrils in our hearts that will one day, you can count on it, shoot out and intertwine themselves with our real lives again.
Sebastian Smee is an art critic for The Post. That's it for this extra episode of Post Reports. Thanks for listening. We hope you're having a restful weekend. Let us know what you think of this bonus episode by sending us an email at postreports at washpost.com. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.